0: A lot of us are waiting for like the perfect moment to start something new, the perfect moment Mm -hmm. to renovate, the perfect Mm -hmm. moment to like build this spreadsheet, the perfect Mm -hmm. moment to create this reel. Let me tell you something. There will never be a perfect moment and it's never going to line up the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. It just, it just won't. There is always going to be something going on.
1: Mm -hmm. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman. And hear me roar. I'm your host, Melanie Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 181 to go. If you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. And if you want to know which countries have already been featured, check it out on the world map on my website at m a l i n i s a r m a dot com, malinisarma That is m a l i n i s a r m a dot Today we are speaking with Corina F. Daves. Corina is a podcast host of One Day at a Time, and is also a life coach. She was born in Peru, but grew up in the United States. In this episode, she speaks of growing up with the immigrant mentality, learning to create boundaries respectfully, and learning to advocate for yourself. This is her story. Hey Corina, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm really excited for the world to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so
0: excited to be here.
1: Oh, it's awesome. So you were um, born in Peru, but you studied in the U.S. Um, Tell me a little bit more about your experience growing up. You know, did you have any siblings? What was it like when you grew up? You know, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a pretty... I would say like traditional family. I was born in Peru and we migrated to the U.S., specifically North Jersey in the 90s. Um, and it was a difficult transition because my parents were actually attempting to separate during mm-hmm. that transition. And so they had to make the decision to either work it out mm-hmm. while we were migrating to the U.S. Mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. And they decided to stick it out. We lived in sort of like a basement apartment, my father, my mother, and I. And then we moved to a second floor. I went to Catholic school for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then six years later, my sister was born. Mm-hmm. And we're not six years later, about maybe I came when I was about four or five. So maybe like three years later, my sister was born. Mm-hmm. My sister, Stacy. And when I was about 10 years old, my parents did end up getting divorced Mm -hmm. and we went back to the basement life, living in my grandmother's basement. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, my childhood wasn't, I find it so interesting when when we use the word difficult. It wasn't difficult in the sense that there was no food or clothes to wear. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. that. Were we well off? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Like, Mm -hmm. did we get everything we wanted? No, we were Mm -hmm. definitely. I would say um, we 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 like yo-yoed, like Mm -hmm. we went up and down, and a Mm -hmm. lot of that had to do with lack of financial wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, So, both of my parents went bankrupt um, in their thirties, and then we moved to a very predominantly white town Mm -hmm. in New Jersey called Mm Linhurst, and. We tried to implement our our roots in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I will say, though, is that my family um, was very big on discipline. Like Mm -hmm. it was very strict. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't a lot of freedom Mm -hmm. to be creative or anything outside of Mm -hmm. the box Mm -hmm. that the immigrant mentality Puts you in. So Mm -hmm. the immigrant mentality has like a standard, I would say, of like two careers a -hmm. a doctor or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that I think is across the board for a lot of us brown folks. And one of the things is that, you know, I was an amazing speaker when Mm -hmm. I was young. Like Mm -hmm. I could get up on stage, I Mm -hmm. could defend, I Mm -hmm. could. Um, you know, discuss any type of thing and really debate. Mm -hmm. And I think instead of seeing that as something that could potentially be great for public speaking or motivational speaking, or you could have your own radio show, it was Mm -hmm. like, you should be a lawyer because Mm -hmm. you talk a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Mm -hmm. really? I don't know if I want to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I resembled a lot of creativity growing up, but it was sort of boxed in a category that I don't think necessarily was for me Mm -hmm. but I don't blame my parents for that because Mm -hmm. that was the mindset that they had right and as immigrants I would say that I have more of a privilege than they do because they had no time Mm -hmm. to really think of anything else than surviving
1: right right that's usually the case Mm-hmm. So did they have expectations that, oh know, I need you to be a doctor or a lawyer, that's the only way you make money, that you'll be safe, and then you can, you know, get married, have kids, and then, you know, everybody's like, you know, live the the American dream. Was that how it was for you?
0: Yeah, but I think that the problem was that they weren't, it's not that they weren't good examples, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just so hard being a parent. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just thinking about me parenting right now, but mm-hmm. I think that, yes, their expectation of me at the time was you need to go to law school. Mm -hmm. So I actually didn't get great SAT scores. Mm -hmm. And I was great in school, but um, I always felt like school was a chore. Like I felt Mm -hmm. like I could be doing something else with my time. Mm -hmm. And I never really felt like I fit in Mm -hmm. socially with people. Mm -hmm. So, or felt, I never felt like I fit in with enough people socially. And I never felt like I was having these thriving conversations in mm-hmm. high school because my time was so like rigid. Like mm-hmm. my my parent, my mom who was raising us at the time, she was very much like, you wake up at a certain time, you do this, you take your sister, you go to school, you learn, you come home, you take out the meat, you make the rice. I come home, I cook, we eat dinner, we ask each other about our day. And then you go into your room and you only have... Till nine o'clock to do your homework because mm-hmm. my bedtime was nine o'clock until mm-hmm. the age of seventeen when I left for college. Like wow. that is how strict my parents were. And I'm then hitting no, and then <laughs> and then to throw in the whole thing about like extracurricular activities. Like mm-hmm. I was asked to be in FBLA, Future Business, uh, what was it? Future Business Leaders of America. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be in the drama club. I, I played soccer. I played track. So when I was playing those sports, mm-hmm. I would come home like seven o'clock at night after a game. Mm -hmm. I remember, and mom, if you're listening, please don't get upset. Like just remember this moment. Like my mom would get upset that Mm -hmm. I was home that late from doing an extracurricular activity because Mm -hmm. it's not her fault. Like in her mind, I was doing something that wasn't going to elevate me. Right. But in my mind, I was learning to be part of a team, right? I was learning even more discipline. I was learning the sort of like the science of learning, but learning with my body, you know, and learning how to work in a team. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I knew at that moment that I needed to figure out a way to get out. And Mm -hmm. here is the thing that a lot of people don't know. I Mm -hmm. actually was two minutes away from enlisting. Wow. Wow. Because I wanted to get out so bad. Uh I wanted my freedom so bad. And Uh I got into like Seton Hall. I don't even remember what other colleges I got into. But one day my mom comes home and she's like, oh, well, my coworker, her daughter got into Rutgers. You should apply to that school. And I had no idea about Rutgers. Mm -hmm. I apply and I hit this little button that says EOF, which stands for Education Opportunity Fund, specifically for low income first generation students. And it's Mm -hmm. like, all you need to do is a summer program. Mm We will help you with college, and I was mm-hmm. like, click. Uh-huh. And that program uh-huh. and many other retention programs assisted uh-huh. me in uh-huh. making it as a woman of color in college.
1: Wow, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. I mean, so what was you? Was your mom like really proud of you when she got when you got into Rutgers and you told her, Mom, guess what? I got into. She was like, Oh my God, my daughter, my firstborn, she's going to college.
0: Yeah, and again, Mom, if you're listening, just please try to remember this moment. Know how much I love you. Um, <laughs> They were temporary. Like Mm I think, you know, I try my best to function out of joy and not Mm -hmm. happiness, because happiness is like from happenings, you Mm -hmm. know? And Mm -hmm. so I feel like I feel like we didn't spend a lot of time celebrating that fact. I felt Mm -hmm. like as a teenager and as a college student, I would do something really good. Mm -hmm. And it was only for a little bit before the next question was like, so what's next? Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like it wasn't that I didn't feel supported. I just, I knew that my push to do something was not a hundred percent by me. And if I could just share a quick story, my five-year-old who's going to be 55 soon, he's so beyond his years. Mm -hmm. He, um, logged out of his zoom class and like missed half of his zoom, uh, -hmm. two days ago. And so he, we were talking to him and he started crying mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm so sorry, mommy and daddy. Like I'm going to do better so I can make you happy. Mm-hmm. And so right then I stopped the thought and I was mm-hmm. like, wait, 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 mm-hmm. hold on, hold on. Let's clear back. None of this mm-hmm. is meant to make either one of us happy. Right. right. Let's stop that right now because that's how I grew up. Right. I grew up doing everything. Mm-hmm. For my mom. Like if you ever, if you asked me who my hero was, it was my mom. If you asked me why I was staying up at night studying, it was for my mom. So she Mm -hmm. wouldn't kick my ass. Like it was, everything was for her.
1: Right. You
0: wanted her to be proud of you. It's like, I'm so proud of you. You It was like, I glorified that. Yeah. And I glorified the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I spent so many years. We're talking like, I probably spent probably 20 years in that. Like it was a really thing to break out of. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I said, TJ, this is for you. Mm -hmm. We want you to stay in your Zoom class for you. Mm -hmm. not to make me and him proud. And then I realized that I should probably stop telling him I'm disappointed. Right. Because that's what he's interpreting it as. Right. He's, he's hearing it
1: as I'm disappointed in you when all yeah. you're saying is like, it's okay.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I totally, I think that's a very common immigrant mentality too. Cause I think a lot of us are like, we just want the, my parents to be proud of me. I just want them to say yes. You know? So I totally, I totally get, um, get that. But then, like you said, your mom was your biggest hero. But at some point after you became an adult, you decided to kind of create the boundary and, you know, draw those lines. So yeah, rebel. What, how did that How did that happen? Or how did that start? Or did it just kind of like, did something big happen? It's like, oh, my God, I can't deal with this anymore. Or was it like, uh, a, you know, a gradual just watching and learning and saying, okay, you know what? I'm seeing that by doing this, this is causing me anxiety. I need to do something.
0: So I think what started happening is um when you grow up, you start seeing your parents in a different light. Mm-hmm. So I think as children, even as teenagers, you see your parents as like they just can't do anything wrong. And mm-hmm. everything they do mm-hmm. is like completely the right way to live. And you mm-hmm. agree with them. And it sort of like becomes your values too, right? Like mm-hmm. values that you now take with you. And so one of the really positive values about my family was like just being a really hard worker. Mm -hmm. But one of the negative values was never really talking about what was going on inside and just Mm -hmm. pushing through. Mm -hmm. And so um, I spoke to somebody. Her name's uh, Natalie, who came on my podcast uh, two weeks ago, and she's like, you know, a lot of us glorify the hustle mentality, yeah. the work hard mentality, but we mm-hmm. don't glorify the self care.
1: Right.
0: And I think that I started to watch my family unravel in a way where I realized that nobody takes care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Everybody's getting divorced. Nobody's really happy. Mm-hmm. Um. And we're still like getting together and Mm -hmm. pretending that nothing is going on. (laughs) Right, right, right. And so I decided in that moment to, I, you know, I had two decisions. I could either like have come into my family and been like, all of you guys suck. You need to change your ways. But I Mm -hmm. didn't do that. I was Mm -hmm. very graceful and I knew that I was still learning and I was trying to become somebody better because- Mm -hmm. The other thing is that I have a lot of family members that are very manipulative mm-hmm. and extremely good liars. Mm-hmm. And so I started to see that myself mm-hmm. began to having this like not telling the full truth nature, mm-hmm. um, very much like in gossipy type mm-hmm. of mentalities. Very, mm-hmm. I, I started to realize my own manipulative ways. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like mm-hmm. I this I think it has to stop mm-hmm. Um and I'm very faith driven, and a lot of um, people who follow me know that I am. Mm-hmm. But in a very like you, you can feel my faith through my personality. Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to be like, "Hey, I'm Karina. Do you mm-hmm. in heaven?" Like that will <laughs> never, be. um, because <laughs> that's like a judgment thing, and I would right. never judge anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to answer your question, I very it was very slow. These boundaries weren't set in quickly; they were mm-hmm. very slow, and mm-hmm. a lot of it started with my faith. And then it moved to nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, Then it went to my marriage, then it Mm -hmm. went to my kids. And so it was a slow process. Mm -hmm. And we, I got a lot of resistance for it and I still do, but, Mm -hmm. but a lot of things have changed in my family too.
1: Mm. So do they look up to you like as a role model? It's like, wow, look at Karina. I mean, you know, she does, she doesn't follow the, like the, oh, she's not like real Peruvian. She's like so Americanized. I mean, do they say stuff
0: like that? Um, I don't know. Like, I would say I can't speak for everybody, but I know my mom and I have had these really positive conversations. And she said she has sent me like really long text messages thanking mm-hmm. me that like, that she feels like the reason for her for God allowing her to birth a daughter like me mm-hmm. is that so later on in life, I could teach her some things. And mm-hmm. I think for me, like I always tell my mom, like you did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And I know that you did it because you did, you did it with everything you knew. Mm -hmm. Like my mom met her father once Mm -hmm. my grandmother slept with a married man. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately my mom couldn't have that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I said, you know, you did what you could with what you knew. Right. And God led the rest of the way. So don't, don't beat yourself up. Mm -hmm. So understand that what I'm saying, what I'm saying Things like we need boundaries. I'm mm. not saying you're a bad mom. And right. I think a lot of us, mm-hmm. whether it's that sentence or something else, we mm-hmm. interpret what people are saying to us very personal. So if my husband's like, you know, you should probably not eat mm-hmm. so much sugar, he's not saying you look fat. He's literally just saying, like, you should Don't probably eat sugar. Eat- Yeah, stop eating sugar. So when I say to my mom, mom, I think you probably need to talk to somebody about what's going on because you have very high levels of anxiety. Mm -hmm. She initially took that as, I'm a horrible mom. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. I'm actually trying to help you Mm -hmm. because I've gone to therapy, I've gone to marriage therapy. And it's just opened up so many doors for me. And thankfully, my mom has been going to therapy for the last two months. And mm-hmm. it has been life changing. So I love you, mom. See, I was getting to the good part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Um, So now you're married. You have a son. You also have um you, you're also a stepmom. You work a nine to five. You know, you're starting your own coaching business. Girl, you got your hands full. So how do you keep? yourself focused and motivated and not get sucked into
0: all the drama. I don't. <clears throat> That's very simple. Like I think that there is um I think normally we're just inclined to sit here and give you the the tips on how to stay focused 100% of the time and I mm-hmm. want to let everybody listening know that I don't. I'm mm-hmm. not focused 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I have to work so hard mm-hmm. to stay focused. I can give you my routine. I can give you what mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. but I have to also share with you the bad days. I have to tell you the days where I feel crazy because one minute I'm crying, the next minute I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I have to share this with people. I have to let them know how to be creative and how awesome they are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh my God, my feet hurt so much. Like mm-hmm. it is really a yo-yo effect. And mm-hmm. I do feel crazy. But what i realize is that those emotions Mm -hmm. are normal. Mm -hmm. What I've learned to do, and I think the key of it Mm -hmm. is managing them. And so knowing what your triggers are Mm -hmm. is so important. Mm -hmm. Like, And then because you'll be able to be a better manager of Mm -hmm. your emotions and bring yourself back balanced. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if I'm really – and you know my sister Stacy also might be listening to this for all of, all everybody who doesn't know which you probably don't my sister was recently diagnosed about a month ago uh, with one of the most aggressive forms of blood cancer called ALL mm-hmm. and she's still in the induction induction phase because mm-hmm. they um there's still leukemia in her bone marrow and brain mm-hmm. se- and brain fluid and whenever we receive news mm-hmm. that You know, is not news that I want to hear, my world gets shaken up. And I Mm -hmm. mean, obviously, this is very heavy. It's cancer. But I mean, think of like news that you receive from your job or news that your kids tell you. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to get news all the time, information Mm -hmm. all the time that you don't like. Mm -hmm. For me, the best thing that has worked for me Mm -hmm. when I receive heavy news that is a trigger, Mm -hmm. I know that I shut down. And the only way to bring me back mm-hmm. is actually to shut everything down. Mm-hmm. So except for Netflix. So what <laughs> I do is I shut it all down. I'm mm-hmm. not on my phone. I mm-hmm. shut my computer. Like I literally don't work for 24 hours mm-hmm. and I need to reset. Right. And I need to do a mixture of mindless things. hmm. Um, I'll listen to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read and I'll listen to, you know, scripture. Um, I'll listen to Les Brown motivationals. Like I need to fill myself up because in Spanish it's called metumba. It like mm. literally hits me mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, this is a trigger. How do I manage this again? Okay. And then I'm like, babe, do we have any coffee ice cream left? Mm-hmm. Cause like, these are all things that I, right. me are going to manage me back and bring mm-hmm. me back. And that is why like my tactics, they may necessarily not work for everybody, Right. that's why you have to know how to best manage yourself. And so doing an audit constantly. So like, mm-hmm. how do I manage everything? The answer is knowing your triggers. Mm-hmm. When you know what triggers you, mm-hmm. you will be able to manage yourself so much better, manage mm-hmm. your mindset, mm-hmm. manage your emotions mm-hmm. and manage your physical body.
1: Mm. So now this is, I mean, this, you, I can tell this has come from, you know, years of learning how you react to situations. I mean, like you had said um, previously when you'd spoken, you know, the drama that happened because you um, married somebody outside your community, the kind of feedback that you're getting, um, you know, the stuff that your son has to go through because, you know, he's um, he's half black and then, you know, the as a mom, you just want to be like so protective of yours. And you're like a tiger mom. It's like, don't say that to my kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you have to deal with stuff like that, where you can't really control other people and other people's reactions, mm-hmm. what, what would you tell other moms going through stuff
0: like that? Um, So two parts. One, I don't, we, I don't um argue with my husband the same way I did five years ago. Oh. I think 5 years ago it was very much you just like play a ring around Rosie game of the mm-hmm. blame game like mm-hmm. that's all you do like mm-hmm. and then when through therapy we learned a lot of tactics of how to talk to each other which is like one stop making assumptions of what the other person is thinking mm-hmm. um I'll believe what they say and believe what they do mm-hmm. um and two stop bringing up the past like if you say you have forgiven then you really, really need to forgive. Mm -hmm. And I think those two things also are what helps me as a mom. Mm -hmm. So when people are downplaying or talking about my son and I kind of get triggered and think that it's possibly something biased or to do with the skin of his color, a color of his skin, Mm -hmm. I tend to take a second back and be like, okay, she hasn't, he or she hasn't shown yet that they're mm-hmm. not for your son. They're, this phone call is still about helping him. Mm-hmm. So until we get to that point, mm-hmm. don't count them out. Mm-hmm. Like, don't judge them yet. And so mm-hmm. I think it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So until the people in TJ's life counted him out, mm-hmm. it wasn't until that point that mm-hmm. I was very much like in sort of like in a space where I was like, you're wrong for what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you see it and Mm -hmm. let this be a testament that Mm -hmm. you need to do a better job of taking care of these kids.
1: (laughs) So you have no qualms about telling people exactly what you think and what they're doing something wrong, calling them out on it, right?
0: No, no, no. But I think that there's definitely a respectful way of of doing it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're right. Like as a mom... Sometimes it is difficult for me to control those emotions because I want to protect him so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that I've learned the way that I argue with my husband is how I can also argue or discuss with other people, mm-hmm. you know, sensitive things. And I think the first step is not making assumptions, but allowing right. people to really tell you because eventually they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Like eventually, they'll really tell you what they're up to and how they think.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and I, and I think that's a very a mature way of looking at it, right? People usually just react from the gut. You know, the first thing that comes to their mind is what they want to just say. Um, And then it's only when you are, like you said, you know, respectfully, you say that's when people start to actually think and say, okay, you know what? I didn't mean it like that. That's what, that was not what I was, I meant to say. So Mm -hmm. now I think that that is a very mature way of, um, of dealing with the situation. Now talking about your business, you know, you, Girl, you should be so proud. I mean, look at all the stuff that you're handling. You went to college. I mean, you're starting your own business. So when you're looking at other people, you know, I mean, other people are looking up to you, especially those women of color who probably don't have an opportunity. They didn't know they could go, you know, do things, um, go to uh, top schools, and get that kind of uh, opportunity. What would you want to tell them about following their dreams?
0: What I told myself before I got married, which was Karina, mm-hmm. never lose yourself. Mm. And I think it's it's guided me in so many ways because it's always come up. I like I literally ask myself this all the time. Mm-hmm. Have you lost yourself? Are you still here? Mm-hmm. I think I asked myself this morning. <laughs> and listen, this is being pretty raw. Like I woke up and I started talking to God and I was like, God, am I still here? Like, am I still here? <laughs> am I still real? <laughs> because I want to make sure that I'm being the most authentic person mm-hmm. for me. Like mm-hmm. I can't be a really great mom. I can't be a really great wife, friend, sister, coach mm-hmm. if I'm not being me. And I can't be me mm-hmm. if I'm always being with you. Mm-hmm. Like I can't be me mm-hmm. if I'm always being with you. And mm-hmm. that is so deep for me because if i'm spending so much time pouring into you mm-hmm. what about me mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i know that a lot of times like people say well i don't have the time to focus on myself right now mm-hmm. i don't have um you know i have all these circumstances and a lot of us are waiting and i work with my clients a lot on this a lot of us are waiting for like the perfect moment to start something new the perfect moment mm-hmm. to renovate the perfect mm-hmm. moment to like built this spreadsheet, the perfect mm-hmm. moment to create this reel. Let me tell you something. There will never be a perfect moment yeah. and it's never going to line up the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. It just, it just won't. There is always going to be something going on. Mm-hmm. When I found out that my sister had cancer, it was at the peak of me building my coaching program mm-hmm. and I spent 24 hours giving it up. Like mm-hmm. I literally gave everything up. And then I remember talking to my sister and she was like, well, what will you do? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, what will you do? I'm like, you're right. What will I do? I'll just, Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just wait for your phone call every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keep going. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep going. And I think that that's why it matters so much to add, to do a daily audit of where you are in your life. I mean, come on, even 10 minutes. You're going to tell me that if you, if your kids, you know, your kids wake up every day at seven, Mm -hmm. then just wake up at five, Mm -hmm. record your podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then check it off for the day you did something. You did mm-hmm. one thing, that's it. Or if you want to detox from sugar, spend 24 hours not eating sugar. You know what I mean? Like, just do, do it. it. There's yeah. never going to be a perfect time. There's yeah. never, we spend so much time creating and mm-hmm. not putting anything into action and then yeah. nothing ever gets done.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is, I think that is advice that ha- that is applicable to anybody, everybody in all fields all the time. Just mm-hmm. do it, right? Nike got it right.
0: <laughs> yes. let do it.
1: So, so now looking back, you know, knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would have changed? Or uh, what would you have told your younger self?
0: So I used to spend a lot of time fantasizing about the things that I would change. Like mm-hmm. when I was in graduate school, mm-hmm. I think was the longest. Like, I would spend hours mm-hmm. just Thinking about like, I would need to write a research paper, a thirty-page research paper, and I would just sit there and I would say, "How could I not have gotten here?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would say, "Okay, well then," you know, I would literally fantasize about mm-hmm. these things. if I didn't, if I didn't date Bob, mm-hmm. like, could I have done this? Mm-hmm. I would, I would spend so much mind space. Mm-hmm figuring out what to change. And I would say if I spent like 80% of the time doing that before, I think I spent like maybe four to 3% doing it now Mm -hmm. because now I'm more of the mindset of, if I start having those thoughts, like what could I have done different? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? Just because I failed today, doesn't mean i'm a failure i just right. i just didn't i just didn't hit the target today but i'm right. going to hit that target eventually and that's right. why i think even with like social media
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know analytics it's great but like some days it can make you feel like you suck because right. you only got a certain amount of you right. know likes or whatever but for me, I think I've learned that engagement is super important, which mm-hmm. is why I know this is a whole different topic, right. but I think engagement, not just on social media, but with people right. I think is so vital. So like, mm-hmm. when I think I haven't made an impact, I start looking through my text messages, my voice memos, mm-hmm. even comments on engagement. I'm like, you know what? Like this might, might've been the least viewed real mm-hmm. Right. But it had like the most amount of people commenting and having conversations because I'm not the heart emoji commenter. Right. Right. I'm not the thanks commenter. I'm not like I actually engage with people because mm-hmm. social media is meant to be social. Right. Um, and listen, if if you like and just put hearts, that's fine too. But like for me as a coach, I'm trying to work with people so they could be relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's answering one of your questions, which is like if I would change anything, mm-hmm. I wouldn't because- then I wouldn't be with the sexy ass man I'm married to today. Um, (laughs) And I wouldn't have the business I have and the kids that I have. I just wouldn't do the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what would I tell my younger self? I would tell her, I would tell her to stop. I would tell her to, what would I tell her? I would tell her to stop worrying Mm -hmm. and stop trying to be something that you're not. I spent so much time like, trying to be something that I thought I should have been like I would straighten my hair for hours um mm. I bought color contacts mm-hmm. um just to fit in fit like in. These- these blue hazel contacts. And I would uh-huh. just look at her like, one day there's going to be a curly hair industry uh-huh. that's going to love curly hair. But right now <laughs> in the 90s, we're just not there. <laughs> but don't you worry. When the 2000s hit, baby, we're going to have diva. We're going to have mad stuff for curly hair. And I think <laughs> that even that alone, like I just spent so much time hiding my curly hair right. um, that I would tell her, just stop being something that you're not. And that yeah. goes for everybody. Stop being something that you're not. Be yourself. Yes. You're not here to cater to the hundreds and millions of people in the world. You know what I mean? If you can okay. just impact a few, you're fine. Or yeah. just one.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's great. I mean, that's how way I look at it. If I can make a difference in one person's life, then I then I think I'm on the right path.
0: Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. So thank you so much, Karina. You have some, there are some great insights and some great advice for a lot of people, especially for the women of color, where we're always trying to fit in when we realize we bring our authentic self, we bring a whole new, um, you know, uh, flavor to um, to the world and we have so much to offer. Yeah. So thank you for saying that out loud. Don't hide that curly hair, you know,
0: speak your take. Yeah. Yes. And always advocate for yourself. You know, yeah. Um, I, was t- I was telling you before we started recording that I used to talk about work-life balance and mm-hmm. work-life career. And now I don't anymore. But one of the things that I realized as women of color is that we can wake up one day and end up working for like, you know, three white guys, which mm-hmm. is my current situation. And listen, they're pretty nice guys, but at the same time, like I need to advocate for myself and the things that I need. And so- right. And the things that will make me better, professional development, Mm -hmm. things that will pour into me. So don't be afraid Mm -hmm. when people call you having an attitude or people call you a certain way. And this might be a whole different podcast episode on, you know, (laughs) workplace Mm -hmm. um, microaggressions. But Mm -hmm. if this is you and you're going through something similar, definitely DM me on Instagram, Karina F. Daves. Or definitely write this out. Talk to somebody about it because Mm -hmm. you're worth more than your job. Oh, You are worth more than your job. You can be replaced in the second. Understand that and work on yourself more than you work at your job. Yes. That is what I will tell all women of color in career in careers right now is like work on yourself more than you do at your nine to five. Just do it. You have to.
1: Yes. Thank you. I think even I came to that realization only after I got like laid off twice. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, I should have gotten it right the first time. It took me another one before That's I figured right. it out. That's so, right. no, thank you. That is Work. so important for everybody to hear. Take care of yourself. Put more value into yourself because that you are bringing out something that nobody else has. Exactly. So,
0: exactly. Thank you thank so you. much. Oh no,
1: thank you, Karina. That was awesome. And I really appreciate your taking the time. So thank you very much. And good luck to your sister, sending prayers and healing energies for her and hope
0: she recovers quickly. Thank you guys so much. My name again is Karina F. Daves. I'm a life coach and the podcast host of One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT, the place where we love to interview the true hustlers of the world, women who are basically killing it. You can find me at my handle at Karina F. Daves on Instagram, or you can go to my website, KarinaFDaves.com to learn more about me and how I can coach you through life. I got you. (laughs) Thanks, Karina. Of course. Thank you
1: for listening and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.